Welcome to the second episode of Petite Sounds, a podcast about language, parenting, and children. I'm Elaine. And I'm Hector. Have you ever thought about the moment when babies start developing language? How can a baby tell their mother tongue from another? And how do babies learn the sounds of their mother tongue? Stay tuned for this episode. We are so happy to receive your questions and comments, and we will have a dedicated space to answer them during every episode. Remember, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Petite Sounds. So let's start with the first question, shall we? Yes. Diagni from Mexico City asks, Does the one-person, one-language approach apply for couples without kids? My boyfriend would like to improve his English, and even though mine is not perfect, if I were to speak to him only in English, would his English improve as well? That's an interesting question. Yes, that's a good question. So let's just clarify that being exposed to a language is not correlated to levels of proficiency. Stephen Krashen, one of the leading researchers in second language acquisition, has argued for the importance of comprehensible input. This means that the language that you are exposed to needs to be at an adequate level for you. This should not be confused with thinking that you have to understand everything. Actually, there needs to be a gap between your current knowledge of the language and the input that you are being exposed to. See it as if you were lifting weights. You can't always lift the same weights and expect to make gains. And it would also be important to define whether he only wants to understand more or he wants to speak better. If he wants to understand more, then it might be a good idea that you use English more often with him. Under normal circumstances, he will get used to some of the vocabulary and expressions that you use. Now, if he wants to speak better, then he needs to dare to speak as well. In that way, he will put himself in the need of transferring his passive vocabulary, the words that he can identify and understand but not use, and activate these. This is important because your whole phonetic system needs to get used to you pronouncing the words. Language learning is not purely mental. You have to put your mouth to work. We have another question, but maybe we can address this at the end of the episode to make it clear. So without further ado, let's start. Hector is singing a lullaby. If this is the image that you have of babies interacting with language for the first time, you have to think twice. They start way earlier. Human ears start functioning weeks before we are born. So you and your partner are the noisy neighbors that interrupt your baby's sleep while they are still in the womb. Our ears can perceive different sounds in the third trimester of pregnancy. So what about seven months? Yes, the fetus at this stage can respond to the sounds of bells. And they can also discriminate between different tones. So they perceive the difference between a C note and a C sharp. 
or a denote. Does that mean that they are able to distinguish between just sounds and language? Well, here it would be necessary to define what we mean by language. So what is language in the first place? Well, language is symbolic. Said Captain Obvious, what does it mean? It means that language is a system that represents things, feelings, emotions, thoughts, intentions. Of what is, has been, and will be. Of what could be. And what might never be. But that's too abstract for babies. So it has to start with sounds. Throughout this episode, we'll uncover some of the elements that compose language. We'll focus mainly on how babies work their way through making sense of these streams of sounds. Because language is more than isolated sounds. Actually, before specific sounds, they start detecting patterns. Rhythm and intonation are the first elements they start getting familiar with, as well as the different voice pitches from the closest members of the family. From their very birth, they respond to the melody of the voice, particularly that of their mother. And they are quite attentive to the sounds that compose their mother's language. Yes, they cannot say much, but they're receiving uncountable amounts of information through all of their senses. By their third day of life, they will already be able to discriminate their mother language from others. So, what makes a language a language then? Well, you're the language teacher here. Okay. So, in our case, we speak Spanish and German. What makes Spanish Spanish and German German? For starters, they have different sounds. We don't have the flapping R in German. Well, Hofdeutsch, which is the German that is taught in schools and is a foreign language, doesn't. You're right. That sound you can find in the south of Germany, though. Yes. Not the time of German you'd find it. Radio Billy. In Spanish, you don't have the sh sound. The Spanish from Mexico City doesn't. But in the north of Mexico, in Chihuahua, for example, you could find that sound. Sh instead of sh. Really? So you say Chihuahua? Exacto, Bondo. <laughs> so we share sounds. Some of them, yes. And some others are exclusive. But not only that, it has also to do with how individual sounds appear in each language. Can you give an example? We can use some similar words in both languages to make it clearer. Okay. Similar words in German and Spanish. Um, got it. Telefono, telefon. Yeah, that's a great example. Because it is also similar to English. Telephone. In Spanish, it has four syllables. Telefono. Telefono. All of them are open syllables. They start with a consonant and end with a vowel sound. And in German and in English, it only has three syllables in both cases. Telefon and telephone. Here, the first two are open syllables as well. Tele. But the last one is closed. Son, son. It ends with a consonant sound. Mm. And also notice that in English, it's not telephone, but 
telephone. The second E is reduced almost. You do not pronounce it. Right, telephone. And additionally, there is a diphthong there. That's two vowel sounds. O, telephone. Also, German and English have groups of consonants like S T R in words such as street, which would be Straße in German. Yeah, so that S T R at the beginning of words is completely absent in Spanish. Oh, that's why some Spanish speakers say a street. Yes, and a Straße, and it is precisely. Because this combination of sounds is usually preceded by an e or an e in Spanish. For example, estrella, star, estación, station, and so on. So these are the patterns that our babies' brains start mapping in their little heads. Yeah. So these syllabic patterns also influence the rhythm of the language itself. That you know that before they are born, babies can already detect the rhythmic patterns of their mother's native language when listening to children's stories. Really? According to an experiment reported by the Casper and Spence in the eighties, a group of women were asked to play recordings of one of three different stories: the Cat in the Hat. The dog and the frog, and the king, the mice, and the cheese. I think I only know the cat in the hat. So all three stories have about the same length and vocabulary size, and even share most of the words used. But only the dog and the frog shares a similar rhythmic pattern with the cat in the hat. Oh, smart! Yes. Very smart. The moms were then asked to read one of these stories aloud to their onboard children. But what? Just once? Yeah, sixty-seven times. Oh, been there, done that. And what was the result? After only three days postpartum, baby showed a clear preference for the story they had heard in the womb. But not only that. They showed preference also for the story that had a similar rhythmic pattern. And here you might ask yourself, how do we know what type of preferences three-day-old babies have? Does it involve breasts? Yes. How do you know? I just know. Do tell. Well, high degrees of attention increase the number of times babies suck from their mother's nipples. So I bet those babies were clinging onto their mother's breasts when listening to the stories they had been read to, while still inside their mommy's bellies. Indeed, so their perceptive skills start being tuned in the womb, and babies can process human sounds quite precisely from the get-go. But that doesn't mean that they understand the story, does it? No, not at all. This experiment seems to indicate that it is intonation, the peaks and valleys of speech, and rhythm, the distance between these peaks that babies actually start getting familiar with. So this is just the beginning. Yes, 
babies then have to take these speech streams and process them. So in our case, once our baby mapped our particular speech rhythms, he had to identify the specific sounds that compose both German and Spanish. Yes, these small units of sounds are what we call phonemes. So the phonemes in the word hallo, hello in German, are four. A, U, O. And three in the, the Spanish equivalent, hola, O, U, A. But as I was explaining before, which sounds belong to each sound system can be quite tricky. You have regional variations and other quirks. Language is always changing. And not only across regions or time, which are the clearest examples. Mm, then how else? Well, male voices tend to have lower frequencies, for example. So in certain phonemes, depending on whether they are being pronounced by a male or a female voice, their overall makeup might vary. I guess the speed in which someone speaks might also have an effect. Yes. And another thing to consider is whether the phoneme appears at the beginning or at the end of a word. Hmm. Let's take the sound. Think of a word starting with a sound. Pair. So this phoneme has what we call aspiration when it appears at the beginning of the word. Yeah. So if it is a severe ad uh, sound right after the so, par. Parrot, people, peace, pop. Pop is a great example because it has the same phoneme at the beginning and at the end. But the P at the end does not have the same aspiration as it does when it appears at the beginning. In this case, these two sounds are called allophones. Pop. Ah, cool. I had never noticed that. Yes. Now imagine the number of changes our speech goes through when speaking the way we usually speak. You mean not as isolated sounds or words? Exactly. So when we're speaking, we adapt our speech sounds to speak faster and more fluently. That means that when I say a whole sentence, for example, I love pop music. I don't pronounce each word or sound in the same way I would pronounce them individually. Yeah, and that is called co-articulation. And this is a problem not only for babies, but for big tank as well. Co-articulation is one of the biggest challenges for speech recognition systems used on Siri, Alexa, and some other similar products. Babies start categorizing from a very early stage all the sounds that they perceive and start discriminating between those that completely change the meaning of a word between those that don't. And all this just for one language? Yes. And here we've only been speaking about one language. Beats are, in fact born with a capacity of detecting the whole spectrum of sounds produced by humans. Well, that sounds like a lot. Yes, some academics have estimated that the human vocal apparatus can produce around 
600 different types of consonants and 200 vowel sounds. But then it makes all the sense in the world to expose your kid to different languages so they can map different sounds. For sure. I mean, by the time they reach two months of age, bees are already able to discriminate consonants in some syllable pairs. Pa and ma being perhaps the most repeated syllables. Those narcissistic self-serving parents. So I'd like to get back to what you were saying about the allophones and the categorization. Yes, what about those? Uh, I've noticed that your B's and V's are all over the place. Not in the podcast, they aren't. <laughs> but generally they are, whether you're speaking in English or German. It usually takes you a second try to pronounce words that contain these phonemes. That is because in Spanish they are allophones, so they are the variation of one phoneme, B. But you do have V's in Spanish, Viva la Vida. Yes, yes, in the written form we do. But that does not translate to the same pronunciation as you have for victory in English or Vasa in German. So you would say victory or Vasa, which is very confusing. It, yes, I do say that. I'm, I can explain why. As you grow older, your ability to, A, categorize what kind of sound is this, to B, discriminate, is this one sound or the other, and then to accurately produce it, decreases. So that ability decreases. This is because your whole perceptive system becomes highly specialized with the language or languages that surround you. When you speak more than one language, it is not uncommon that you use sounds from both of the languages you know and then accidentally change the meaning between one group of sounds. But here we are already entering the kingdom of words and production, and I don't think we have enough time to cover this in this episode. But we still have time to address the second question from our audience. Marta from Italy. She asks, Given that both parents are proficient in a language which is not their mother tongue, is it good or feasible to raise a kid in that language? And are there any specific strategies to help them do this? Should both of them speak the language or only one? This is a juicy question. I think we can answer it in different stages as we make our way through the rest of this series because it has a lot of things to discuss. So let's start with the topic of this episode. Sounds. Yes. So as an Italian speaker yourself, even if you are very proficient, it is very likely that you have a distinctive pronunciation that makes you stand out as a non-native speaker of English with an Italian background. I say this because several authors have suggested the critical period for the acquisition of a native-like accent regardless of how well you know your grammar rules and how extensive your vocabulary is. As Hector mentioned, Research suggests that to develop a fully-fledged British, American, or any other type of accent, you may only have until you're five. And this goes beyond only sounds. 
rhythm, stress, melody, certain phonemes and phoneme combinations can also be affected. So if you're the only source of input for your kid, it wouldn't be too adventurous to say that he or she might pick up some of these features of your speech. Not that that is something bad at all, but the results would be different if the kid was part of the English-speaking community because kids tend to imitate their peers. In this type of situation, it would be safe to assume that the kid would develop a native-like pronunciation of the English variation he or she is surrounded by. It is important to stress that there is almost no research supporting the claim that exclusive use of the standard language, whether it be Iberian or Mexican Spanish, Hochdeutsch or general American English, is the most efficient way to promote language or subject matter learning. So if in your particular case, Marta, you and your partner would like to speak to your kid in English while he or she picks up Italian from their environment, you'd need to plan more strategically how to manage the educational aspects, given that kids will also stay exclusively at home for some time. And then they are exposed to other languages, other sounds, other words. In our next episode, we'll continue answering this question from the perspective of word learning and vocabulary development. We'll discuss how we learn to separate the stream of speech sounds into words, and we'll go through the milestones in language acquisition, from perception all the way to your baby's first word. Thank you for listening to Petite Sounds. We can't get enough of your comments, questions, and suggestions. Let us know. What are some of the characteristics of the languages you speak at home? How are they similar? And how are they different? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Petite Sounds and send us your answers. You can also leave a voice message or write a review on our website, www.petitsounds.com. And don't forget to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix from. In our following episode, we'll delve deep into baby's first words. So stay tuned for episode three. Hasta pronto. Auf Wiederhören.